one of the things I hate the most in this world is when you eat a donut that's supposed to have stuff in it and you take a bite and there's no stuff in your bite. You and then I mean? and then eventually, eventually, way off on one corner, there's like a oh, tiny oh, yep. a tiny pocket the size of a pea. Yeah, it still has the butthole. So you can tell somebody tried to inject it because there's like the butthole with the stuff yep. coming out, you know? Yep. But yep. then... <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 284 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm being warmed by the beautiful sun. I'm Sam and I'm a sleepy man. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is November 6th, 20 Blundy. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears on this show. We keep calling it a show, but there is nothing to show. It is purely an audio experience. It's purely a tell. But Ooh, there's yeah. no good, yeah, there's no, uh, there's no word for this. You know, you've got a radio show, you've got a TV show. One of, one of these things is not a show. It's a listen. Mm-hmm. It's a, or like you said, it's a tell because. That's all you got. That's a, right. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an ear blast. An ear blast. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, they went over there and then we grabbed their money. It's a good deal. Uh, it's, sort of, out, really. it's, it's sort of a booby trap situation. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, you, you enter, you enter moneygrab.bscotch.net. You walk down a corridor and a, and a skeleton arm emerges from a hole in the wall. And grabs your money. It's very spooky. Out of your back pocket. It's very spooky. Yeah. We just set up lingering. for Halloween and now it's November and we just don't want to put it away. We're just going to leave it. We're going to leave it. It's going to – we'll maybe put a put an ornament on it or something so that it's more Christmas. Put a Santa head on that skeleton. Done. Done. Yeah. All right, you guys. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about the fact that it's so dark and I hate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say that, but I'm looking at a beautiful sun – Rise, sun. What do you call it when the sun's just there? There's a sunrise, you know, when it's like coming up. You're like, ooh, the beautiful I think sunrise. Just, I think that's just the sun. I think just, it's not. Uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful <laughs> uh, sun just like streaming into the windows. I'm, I'm basking in this light. I'm probably producing vitamin D by the gallon. That's vitamin D, right? That's the sun yep. one. Oh, yeah. Sun one. Gallons. Yeah. Gallons you of can, it. Uh, so you say you darkness, bottle that up and sell it. I don't know. It's pretty nice right now in the moment. That's Yeah. Well, we had daylight saving, you know, this past weekend. The weekend was an hour longer than normal. Fantastic. Yeah. Love that aspect of daylight savings. Yeah, this is the part everybody likes. Uh, the, the other part, though, not so much. You know? Yeah, then suddenly you come in, you come into work, and by the time you leave the office for the day, or in this case, I guess, alt-tab to a video game or whatever, <laughs> which is now what leaving the office is, uh, the sun's down. So we, my wife and I have been talking like, how do we, cause we want to like walk the dog after work. Can't, can't do it. I got to do it over lunch break or something. Cause it's, it's just dark now. When we were talking earlier this week about this idea of just being like, what if, what if just we didn't adjust for daylight savings time? Right. Mm-hmm. So like the clocks change, but we just keep doing things at the same time. So we would shift our office hours from eight to four instead of nine to five while daylight savings time is going on. And then in the, in the springtime, just flip it back to nine to five so that our routine doesn't change at all. We feel no impact. 
but the clocks are just weird now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I've been waking up um, a little bit early. We, d- we didn't do it. Well, yeah, I've been, but- I've been trying it out. Um, I think it's it it works relatively well, but it, it's weird. And, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, technically, it still feels like you're getting up earlier because I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It's not like I'm going to bed. I'm not actually going to bed later. I'm just it's weird, I'm right? Just tired earlier because it's so dark. You know what I mean? I'm just tired for a longer yeah, period. But, of but time. the thing is, but you already were tired at that same time last week too. It's just that now the clock shows that it's five a.m. instead of six a.m. And now it's crazy that you're up that early, even though it's literally the same time. I as think last it's week. Really, for me. It's mostly that that uh, waking up is just the worst part of the day. You know, because like. It's the worst part of life. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're in this great state where you don't even know the world exists, you know. And, and you got all like, kinds of wild, trippy shit going oh, yeah. on in your like, brain. You're living in an imaginary universe. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is – you're cozy, you know. Like you're, you're, you're wearing a cool jacket made out of gummy bears. Yeah. Descended to the spiritual plane. Uh, yep. Oh, so good. So you're in that state. No rules, no limits. Cozy. Warm, comfortable, laying on a soft thing, covered in soft things, you know. Yep. And all of a sudden, some fucking loud none of that thing, is true anymore. Yeah, it's like <laughs> get out of get out of this glorious best part of existing, and uh, and go step on a cold floor. You know. Then there are rules. Now there you got to brush your teeth because you notice your mouth it, tastes like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know? your teeth are constantly trying to fall out of your head. Yeah, so which you, you, go you might have been dreaming about, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you got to scrub your whole body. You got to yeah. check your so hair. So I think it's really the it's really just that waking up sucks, right? It's just the worst. And so for me, like it's not about early versus late or anything. It's it's always just how late can I get away? Like at, at, what, <laughs> at what point do I have to wake up, right? And so like for me, daylight savings just like it shifts that by an hour, which then after a few days like is irrelevant again because like I'm yep. adapted, right? And but that's fucked and up. That's it. It's like, so I wouldn't want to wake up an hour earlier because now I'm not staying in bed as long as I can mm-hmm. because I can stay in bed. For it's not, it's hour. not an extra hour. It's just, an, it's just closer to when I really have to get up, you know? But isn't uh, it, isn't it weird that it's about, it's about staying in bed, not being in bed. Cause like you could very easily, like the second we're done with work, just go to bed. That's true, but I don't want to. At uh, that point. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's not about it's not about being in bed. It's about staying in. It's bed. actually not even about staying in bed. It's about it's about not having to get out of bed because it's the it's the leaving bed and going to the world. That's the bad experience, and so you're change avoiding. Change is difficult, you know. Yeah, you're avoiding that step. Change is hard. Change is hard, no matter who uh, you are, what time of day it is. Ugh. Transitions are the worst. Yeah, but that's funny, right? Because it's, it's not about it's not about like getting as much sleep as possible. It's about putting off waking up as long as possible, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, is, which is a weird thing to optimize for. But also, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, but imagine though, everybody everybody I know is like, "What's the, what's the deal with daylight savings? I don't understand it." There's literally nobody dis- who's into it. It's nobody. very disruptive, and I hate it. And everybody in the world could just be like, I'm just not going to respect this. And they could just stay on the same schedule, you know, go to work 8 to 4 instead of 9 to 5 once the clocks change, flip it back, just keep doing everything at the same times just with the clocks off. So you're saying hour. we should start a movement because this sounds like a revolutionary sort of call. How many, how many people to rise up? actually do daylight savings? It's pretty sure. Canada. I know Canada does. 
because I have gaming buddies up there, and I'm like, "Is the, are your clocks fucked up?" And they're like, "Yeah, I'm so tired." Uh, <laughs> but Arizona, so I know that, right? Doesn't Arizona, Arizona doesn't? Yeah, it doesn't. They got it figured out. Does does like the rest of the world do it, or is this just no, like a, I think it's just a North America thing? Okay, Minus I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I don't know, but but uh, we need to start a movement, maybe called something like "Save the Day" or something Ooh, like that. Ooh, that's good. Uh, Save the Day dot org. Uh, come on over there, donate uh, uh, to our cause. Mm-hmm. Don't know. Also, we don't know what's at that website. So. We don't know if that's a real thing. <laughs> so it's probably it's probably it. a real website. <laughs> if you're going to visit it, do it very carefully. And know that we're not actually affiliated with it, and don't give them money. And you know, unless, unless they're actually doing something good, in which case, I guess, sure, that's fine. Yeah, but don't uh, don't take our word for them doing things good. You got to go. Yeah, to we don't know who the hell they are. But anyways, uh, we need yeah. Start us. Uh, what is it? It's a civil disobedience yep. by yeah. just the, carrying the on is, as normal. Though, that it doesn't matter how dumb a thing is that we're doing. If we're doing it, we're just going to keep doing it. Yep. If life has taught me anything, like the more I've moved into adulthood and looked at the quote unquote adults, you know, making decisions and doing things out in the world. If you're doing dumb things, you just you're just gonna keep doing it. Just, just, just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, at least for a pretty long time. It takes a long time of doing dumb things before you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, that is the, and that is the human condition. Right? <laughs> this is, this is all the, we're talking about this all the time, right? Like you have to suck at a thing before you can do it well. And you have to suck at it for a long time. And then even when you do it well, you're just doing it better than you did when you sucked more. You're still not necessarily doing it well, right? And now if you, and now if you take that over the whole population, like everybody has to be doing it at the same time, except you keep on injecting kids into that, you know? And they're always doing and dumb always stuff. Doing that's, dumb all they, stuff. that's all they know how to do. Yeah. And so like you just keep you just keep everything like in this steady state, right, of, of never being able to collectively become an adult. We can't you know? all agree – to learn from what we've, what our mistakes are, because we're all constantly making new mistakes. Yep. You know, so daily savings forever, I think, is the. the I think we're trapped. <laughs> yep. Well, still, we need to we need to think about we need to think about starting this movement. I think we just did. Yeah, I've, I've thought did. about it, and it sounds like a lot of work, and I'd prefer to stay in bed. So well, this no, is, no, this is like, change is hard, you know. Changes no, hard. I mean starting a movement. It's no big deal. Keeping it going is pretty hard, you know, because there's like a certain minimum scale where it's like this. It's like kind of like the smallest team sizes too, you know, like there's a certain minimum number of people to get involved where you could still say like, yeah, we started this movement. I think well, starting a movement is the same as publishing a video game, right? Which is like the product itself, do. which is the movement. Like that part's easy, right? It's It's marketing it. That's the hard part. Right. And so, so we could start it and then just, if it happens, it happens. We'll you know, just we're just going to put there. it out there. Yeah. <laughs> just, put it out there. There. just put it out there. Uh-huh. You know, and if it happens, you know, I'll send it to some, some, uh, I'll send like a link to some people, you know, I'm going to put it on my have Facebook. My friends join it. Uh, yeah. my friends. Yeah. And honestly, if there's like some glory seeker out there who's like, I want to be the, the face of this movement, that's fine. Like, we don't really care. We don't have a, we don't have a uh, horse in this race or whatever. No, whatever every, the, every movement needs a champion. So we need to find some streamers some big streamers to, mm-hmm. to advocate for this. Yep. Um, the problem is that young people don't vote. And so that won't help us really. Cause it's because only young people watch streamers currently. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? But young people, well, are it's not about voting. They are, they're always doing that. They're getting older. So this is the true. trick, you know, if you wait long so enough. Get, get the young people to hate daylight savings now. Yeah. So that in 20 years, and we got to play the long game with movements. Gotta okay? Play the long yeah. game. Rome wasn't That's built true. today, you know, it also didn't fall in a day. It took like a long time to fall. You know, everything just, takes a while. Everything takes a while. 
Uh, Sam, you got some animal stories to share. I want to hear about this. So I had Hit me. the weirdest series of things happen this week. All of my morning walks, uh, and it made me feel like I was sort of an apprentice druid uh, leveling up my skills. Okay. Sick. Day one, find a bee, okay, uh, like a normal-ass normal, normal ass bumblebee, just laying on the ground. But it wasn't laying there like dead laying there. It was. It looked more like it was resting, but also it was cold as fuck because it's the morning time. And so I was like, I know what happens if bees get cold, which is they basically just slow the fuck down, right? They're basically zombies, yeah. right? Yeah. Zombies. Yeah. So, if you didn't know this, you can if you yeah. catch a bug, you can just put it in the refrigerator. And yeah. It won't kill it. It'll just get really slow. And then if you're like worried about like handling it or whatever, then like now you don't have to worry about it because it's very slow. Mm-hmm. Pro tip, yeah. if you ever want a bug, just put it in your freezer. Thaw it out later. Not freezer. Not freezer. Oh, not freezer. <laughs> not, not freezer. No, no, no. <laughs> So, so this bee was just clearly uh, very cold. And so I don't know what happened. I don't know if it had like, you know, maybe maybe it had gotten a little cold, stopped for a moment. And like with hypothermia, right? You're not supposed to sleep because it'll get you. So the bee was laying there and I was like, I turned to my wife and I said, we have to save this bee. And she's like, why? And I said, well, you know, honeybees are important. Uh, I don't actually know. This was it a bumblebee or a honeybee? This thing. I was like, I don't actually know exactly what it is, but it looks. Was it huge and fluffy? It was big and fluffy. Yeah, yeah it was a bumblebee. So, so we don't actually need those like for honey. But don't it is ruin still good. my fun, Adam. Okay, you, but no, but we still need to <laughs> pollinate things because if we don't pollinate things, we don't have any plants, and then we all die. That's true. I like where your head's at. So that's where you got it. You know, you got to get that. Gotta bumble. Save all the bees, not so just like, the honeybees. Get a leaf, okay? Because I'm still like, I know this thing's slow, but you know, stingers are stingers. So get a leaf, get this bad boy, pick him up, put him on a tree, so he's getting hit by direct sunlight, and then I breathe on it. Okay, because I'm like, I'm hot in on the inside because I'm a mammal. I do I'm a hot yeah. man. I'm a hot mammal. Mammals, like the one thing about them is they're hot on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to breathe some of this hotness onto this bee and resuscitate it. Start doing some like, you know, just kind of breathe on it a couple times. Bee starts waking up. It's back beautiful. Its wings start like buzzing. It's just chilling, but it's like starts sort of, it's almost like revving its engine. You know what I mean? And I was like, our job here is done. Bee friend's chilling on a branch. We leave, okay? Let's day one. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Save that bee. Saved a bee's life. Day two. Walking again. Come across, not a bee this time, but a, a large caterpillar. Okay? Mm. A caterpillar uh, at this time of year? Exactly. And I was like- Nothing is toast. There's no way it well, has cocoon time, I was like, right? you're either going to die or there's a bunch of them that actually cocoon in like leaf piles, right? Mm, yeah, Problem yeah. was, this, this, uh, this poor feller- Head for whatever reason was you know in the middle of the sidewalk, and and there's a bunch of leaves. That's not a leaf pile. Well, there was a bunch of leaves on the sidewalk, and I was like, if he cocoons here, he's gone. You know, he's gonna be crushed. <laughs> so again, I get a leaf, scoop this uh, caterpillar up, go nestle nestle it into some leaves over by a tree thing. Just a level two, okay? Level two druid. Next fucking was, it, was this leaves on your own property? No, this is someone else's leaves. leaves. This is like, the problem is they're going to scoop up those leaves, put them in a bag, send that caterpillar off to caterpillar. Well, out. hey, you know what? I, I did my part. Okay, you know I can't. You did your part. I can't control yeah, the whole chain. Ever, you know, I'm just yeah. uh, actually on that note. This is a good PSA, which is you don't need to clean up all of the shit in your yard because a lot of that stuff is what is what you know bugs and critters and stuff use to overwinter in some way or another, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you kind of let that stuff 
Not all of it, because you're not allowed to have your yard be a mess, right? And also it'll kill the grass underneath it, blah, blah, blah. But you can make little piles that are just for that purpose. Like we, did, we started doing that, and like we've, the number of interesting bugs we've had in the yard has just exploded after – Yes. After giving them space to, to survive. It's almost as if Adam's Adam's druid skills are leveling up too. Okay, yeah. well here's here's the big one. So then okay. day three, wake uh, up in the morning. Giant bang. Okay. Bird collides with the upstairs window at Moxley. I thought Low. maybe one of those mantis shrimp got in your house. God, I thought it was going to be along a bug line, but it, we upgraded suddenly. And so uh I was like, okay, I'll go check and see if it's in the in the driveway because it hit the window so fucking hard sure enough go down there's a bird clearly like very rattled uh completely in shock because it just slammed its face into a window at you know 20 miles an hour however fast they go and so i come down and uh, again using a leaf um first kind of cover it up because i was like this is just going to be eaten in like five seconds if anything sees it because it literally can't even hardly move. it was just sort of sitting there like panting a little bit clearly like <laughs> it was it was concussed. <laughs> it was very concussed. So I just kind of covered it in leaves. And then we went on our walk. And I was like, okay, if it's back, you know, sometimes they just get up and leave. So like, we'll see. Come back. Uh, no, this this dude is very much not uh, not doing well. Okay. So go ahead. Come inside. Get a box. Put a towel in the box. Put the bird in the box. And then let it just sit on the, on the uh, patio and just sort of rest for like two hours. Okay. It doesn't try to even escape the box. It's just chilling in there because it knows it's been thoroughly concussed. And then finally, I went uh, around at lunchtime, opened the box and sort of like tried to shush it a little bit. And it went flying, flying into the treetops. And I was like, I have saved three lives today, <laughs> this week. Um, or at least extended them. At slightly. least extended them for the next like hour or two. Which is nature. Know, it's nature. Nature's fucked up. Like Sometimes the best you can do is just... Is just stave off the next two hours of inevitable death. Yep. It reminds yeah. me of seeing like every now and then you'll see a YouTube video of, of some parents who are like, okay, kids, like we're going to set this, like we oh, have no. this pet pet mouse or something, like we're going to set it free. And they like put it out in the yard and like immediately a hawk just eats it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, well, I mean. The world is what a vicious is, I mean, place. What, yeah, freedom what of nature you, is the freedom to be eaten. You will be eaten. Mm-hmm. We'll be eaten eventually. Which I'm I'm just so you know, no matter how bad most things get, the fact that you don't have to worry about being eaten by things. Well on you a get to basis, as as a human, you get to choose mostly if you're going to worry about like you get to choose if you're gonna go hiking where there are bears. You know, you get to choose if you're gonna make yourself a, a target for being eaten. A snack. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I generally, that's kind of my, that's my I, I choose not to be. Thing, yeah. That's why the uh, ocean still scares the shit out of me. Oh yeah, because the ocean, everything wants to eat. Yeah, and everything's bigger. You're completely out of your element. You know, Ugh. and yeah. it's three D. Things can come at you from above and yeah. below Whoa. and in all directions. I'm more of a two D kind of a. Yeah, two D's two D's way better guy. when it comes to not being eaten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. If you want to get your question onto an episode, just go there. It's possible these it. questions come from people who don't listen. I'm just going to put that That's out there. That's true, actually. Because it's just it would an be, open, open It would be weird. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's an option. So these questions come from people who may or may not listen to mm-hmm. this podcast. Uh, we Actually, before we do anything else, we have a comment 
from Fly Hoppy Axe Rampa, which is not a question. He says, I know that when Crashlands launched, you had people that wanted it to be more like Don't Starve, which is true. Mm-hmm. I recently bought Don't Starve on sale, and I wanted you to know that while I was playing it, I just wanted it to be more like Crashlands. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Have a nice day. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, this is this this is something that we kind of we kind of uh, rant about from time to time, which is the propensity of reviewers to not review a game. This is this is players and and uh, professional reviewers. The the propensity to review a game not for what it is, but for what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, by, and then specifically in relation to a thing that they want it to be. Cause, cause there's no, there's, there's yes. a, what it isn't in the sense of like, Oh, like I feel like if it had this feature, then this would be better of all. Yeah, I mean, and, games are, and that can be fair. Right? Games are all existing in context with each other too. Right. Yeah. 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 Not saying that that's unfair, but the, uh, yeah, the propensity to be like, this isn't don't starve. Yeah. Well, the one we were talking about recently was Genshin impact, right? Yes. Which yeah. has been being touted by the press the whole time as like basically a, a Zelda clone, right? A Breath, Breath of the, of the Wild, Wild clone. And it isn't, it's its own thing, but it, Takes place in an open world. You can so, climb. There's a salmon you can, emitter. You can glide. It has a lot of mechanical. Did you say a salmon emitter? Stamina meter. Mm, I okay, may have yeah, said a salmon em- emitter because. Break that down. Crashlands two. Salmon. Break that down. Salmon emitter. I mean, we're doing a lot more sort of event-based programming in Crashlands two, so we could have a salmon emitter. I don't know what that means. Well, we can't have salmon it. though because that's a real fish, and there's, tra- there's trademarks on Let's that. Let's call it Malson. Have some Malson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, can, or it can be salmon, S A M M I N. Salmon. Salmon. That is how it's pronounced. Salmon. Uh, anyways, what were we talking about? Genshin talking about Genshin Impact, Impact oh. and how everybody's oh, yeah, like, Genshin Impact. <laughs> everybody basically start off the review being like, oh, thank God, a clone of this game that I love. Oh, it's really not that game, though. It's its own thing. Oh, I'm so pissed off about that. Right. And that's basically how all these reviews went. So I was seeing that from the outside. Of course, Genshin Impact did fucking great. And so. They've got nothing to worry about, but but part of like part of their strategy was all about messaging and trying to make sure, to the best of their ability, that people weren't just saying, "Oh yeah, this is just this other game only, a, a version I don't like because it's not the same." Um, so yeah, this is this is the thing that everybody has to deal with all the time, which is mm-hmm. yep, you only understand things relative to other things. That's just how that's just how that works. Um, and, and if, if you, you like the thing. Yeah, and if you like the thing that you're comparing this other thing to, then all you can see are its quote-unquote deficiencies, right? Which to you now a deficiency is like a thing you like from this thing that this other thing does not have. Even right. if in context it doesn't need that thing to still be just as good and, and whatever. So, yeah, it's an aggravating problem. And I think especially when, when uh, two games in this particular sense uh, look alike in any sort of way. So in the case of Genshin Impact, it is very true. The Genshin Impact uses a lot of the same rendering style and the same color schema as mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. So yep. it's not... Um, it invites a lot more. Yes, it invites comparison. direct comparison. And the yep. same way that, which we were actually surprised by with with uh, the original Crashlands, because it has so much color in it, um, I, did, like, I didn't think it looked like Don't Starve. Um, Animation style is completely different. Art but, style is completely different. Yeah, but... But from like just a general person's kind of like glancing at it, uh, it, apparently it does it does totally read as like kind of similar, largely due to the black outlines. And so that was 100% one of those things where you can also think about when you're making your own game or, or working on any any product that exists in a space like this, there's this idea of, of differentiation 
like basically visual differentiation to try to push yourself so you're not competing directly with a thing. Uh, but also sometimes it's useful to be able to borrow the people from so for, for example, in the case of Genshin Impact, it it has a lot of those open world elements as like the same ones as Zelda does, Breath of the Wild. So at the same time as like they need to not be a clone of it and make that clear, it is also extremely useful from a marketing standpoint for them to borrow the the style because it speaks the same language, right? So people who played yeah. Breath of at Breath of the Wild were like, this is great, would look at this and be like, I wonder if this is the same level of greatness. You know? Well, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult line to write, really which is you need, you need enough similarities to existing things that people get it. Right. And that you can establish your thing as being the kind of thing that people would want because it's like thing. Cause you can only, you can only know that you want something if it's like something you've had before. Otherwise you couldn't even guess that you would want it. Right. And so you gotta, you gotta somehow thread that needle where it's like similar enough that people know they want it, but different enough that it doesn't invite Perfect pairwise comparison yes. between the other things. It's hard. It's it impossible, honestly. But that's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's like I said, it's just human psychology. Yeah. There's no all. All that we can ask is that if you are reviewing, if you are reviewing a game, that you consider what your what your bias points are and what your yeah. And it's, I mean, it are, is perfectly know? fine to compare two games to each other, right? Because that's. That's a way yeah. that you critique things, right? That's completely fine. The the trap that you fall into is where you you don't realize you've just decided that you want this other game to be the the same game. Right. Like, and like and so that all that you can actually see in that context is this thing is just worse, right? Because all the things that I like about this other game are not here. Uh, as a Which just means that it's a different game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So our, our highest upvoted Actual question comes from Level Headed, who says, How does the revenue system work for partnerships like putting Level Head on Xbox Game Pass? Is the payment substantial or low but makes up for it in advertising? Did you think that the rise in popularity of Game Pass type subscriptions will go the route of Spotify, giving devs a platform, but overall reducing the dollar amount that makes its way to the game devs? So we can't say anything specific about like, Here's what Xbox did because that's all you know. Yeah, all we can say concretely is that it's probably specific to each deal. It is, yeah. But, we, but like, there are there are some. We can talk about the the trends that these things fall into, right? Which is, uh, if this is specifically about subscriptions, um, then what we have seen, uh, either in negotiations or hearing from other people or things we actually ended up with or whatever, what we've seen out in the wild. Yeah, are, things been written about in games industry and stuff. like Yeah, that or, or basically your, your typical styles are pure. A pure revenue share model, where basically the the subscription is bringing in money from all of its subscribers, and it will it will say basically X percentage of the revenue coming in will be distributed across the games that are in the service, and then exactly how they're distributed depends on, again on the service. And so sometimes it's like sometimes it's basically uh, negotiated ahead of time, so you'll just get some percent, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one seems pretty rare. Um, a lot of it seems to be based on like. Gameplay time, uh, bounce rate, it's like some some sort of like algorithm they put together to get a sense of like how valuable is this game to our portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in those scenarios, they don't tell you as the as the developer or publisher putting a game in there what that breakdown is because they don't want people to game the system, right. and so you, you don't actually know. Being honest, you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, yeah. So they just don't like, make the system because they don't just, tell you that either. Mm-hmm. So like, just make a really good game. That people play endlessly and it'll all work out. And you're like, yeah. okay. Yep. Okay. 
Generally, yeah, it's pretty opaque. Yep, it's very opaque. Generally. Um, yeah. So that's that's one side of things, and that and actually seems to be kind of the typical model um, for, for most of the both old and new um, subscription services is – you're basically just like with any launch. You're just you're just gambling on there being enough people and money uh, in the pool that it's worth it for you to be on there. And then you hope that you have a game that can compete for eyeballs in that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Um, so another model is uh, upfront payment, where you'll just basically pay. You'll you just basically get a licensing fee, where they just pay you to say we want permission to give this game to our users for free, free to mm-hmm. them, right? And they just pay you a lump sum. That's that. And then outside of that, they're basically combinations of those things where it's maybe some lump sum, maybe some revenue share. Uh, all, all the details depend on the on the specific mm-hmm. contract. And, and our experience so far has been that the deal that we the deals that we got were not a, probably, likely not exactly the same as the deals that other people got because we negotiated all the details and and mm-hmm. and worked with worked with that uh, that partner to find something that worked well for us, worked well for them, and everybody was happy about. It. Yeah. So as yeah. far as like how this compares to something like Spotify, I think the major difference when you're talking about music in particular uh, is that in the case of of this mixed model, where you say, okay, um, in dealing with with uh, X platform, we're going to do some. There's an upfront payment, and then there's say a revenue share uh, or some bonus structure or something like that in post, so that if your game does really well, then you end up you're still able to capture some of that value. I think the thing that's really interesting to me about stuff like Spotify is that they don't pay a damn cent, from what I understand, to have your music on the service. Uh, they actually uh, do. Do they? Or, or, or yeah. So if you're if you're a rando music person, like just like if you're not if you're not a big name, if you're not under some sort of a big publisher or whatever, right? Yeah, you, you're basically if you want to, you can put your music on the on Spotify. You don't have to, right? Because you don't have to do anything with your copyrighted materials. So if you want to, you can put it there. And then the default is that you're just basically getting. Uh, it's, a, it's a streaming revenue from that. Giving right? a streaming revenue, right? Yep. Um, but it's sort of like it's similar to like YouTube or uh, or Twitch, like all these things, right? There's like the the default behavior is you're getting some cut, which might be I think on Spotify it's a per stream, I think. Yeah. Um, but it could be a, a share model where it's just like we don't know what it is per stream because it depends on how much money is coming in and how much stuff people are listening to or watching or whatever, right? That's that's actually more typical. Um, but in those cases, like you've, we've seen at Twitch, like a like uh, you know, million dollar deals, right? For mm-hmm. for certain streamers, so the the experience that a normal streamer has, your average streamer, is not the same at all as as the Correct. ones who are bringing in lots. Because of- those are also typically exclusives, which is exactly. to say, yeah, you could you will pay you this much money to only stream using right. our platform. and Spotify is the same thing because you know, there's a whole bunch yeah. of Spotify exclusives now, like for podcasts in particular, but um, not not so much for music, but there's a little bit of that still too. They bought the Joe Rogan podcast for hundred million dollars. Exactly, and so so that, that's <laughs> typically again following that model where either because we don't know behind the scenes what that act, what the full you know appearance of that mm-hmm. of that deal is, but exclusivity is that key token that's actually moved in a lot of this. Which is usually if you're being paid a lump sum for a, a licensing fee, it's going to come with some strings of some sort. That's in in like the current games market, that's typically exclusivity is what people want, but it isn't necessarily. It could be things like uh, we need to make sure that you have X number of languages covered and that you'll sim ship with other platforms. Mm-hmm. Or like there could be any number of, of requirements that come along with that with that money. Yeah, um, I mean, in the case of something like uh, like Game Pass, one of their big focuses has been getting games on day one, as opposed yeah. to like later. So, and you can think about that as far as that idea of putting your game into a subscription service on day one. I mean, if you ask them to do that like four years ago, they'd be like. You know, yeah. fuck no, like absolutely not. Um, 
And so that, and you that, certainly that, wouldn't want to do that without knowing that you're going to get paid for it. Cause basically what you're saying exactly. now is like, I, cause it feels like you're devaluing your game by just basically saying, Oh yeah, if you want it, you can just have it. Mm-hmm. I'll get a random amount of money from this, from this uh, publisher. Right. Um, and now who's going to buy it is kind of like where your mind is going to go. Right. Yeah. So I think as far as where, where things are trending, um, I guess I, th- I think about where games are going in the subscription sense, more so like how Netflix operates because uh, the, the overall cost to produce and market a game is so fucking high um, mm-hmm. compared to like a single music track um, or, uh, or like a, when, once, once you're in, of course, you know, high production tier stuff for, for music, it's very, I'm not saying it's not expensive. It doesn't take a lot of time, but uh it's a different it generally order probably, of magnitude. It probably, yeah, it wouldn't take like 500 people four years to make and a single, half a billion dollars. Yeah, it's not a single it's album. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so where I think this is going is more along the Netflix side of things where, uh, where I think subscription services are going to be more and more prevalent. I think you're already seeing this. Um, they've, you know, more of them have popped up in the last year. Uh, and Netflix uses a licensing model, right? Just a pure, there's yep. no revenue share. It's just a pure, we're going to pay you this amount for, for this amount of time on the, on the platform. Yeah, and then I believe uh, you know, of course, if you get a season two or whatever else, and I mean, you're now you're now you're able that you have leverage because you have a thing yeah. that they want. Although that might have uh, already been part of the deal, right? Which is so so yeah. It's mm-hmm. it, when it comes to something like Netflix, like not that much stuff comes out on Netflix. It's like a dozen things a week or whatever, right? So it's not that, or maybe more than that that I just don't see because I assume everybody sees different stuff, right? But it's not a ton of stuff, um, and it's it's a low enough amount that they can negotiate a deal per thing that's coming through, mm-hmm. right? And so I think what's interesting about this is you move into a space where devs have to shift their focus from selling broadly to, to individual players and trying to say like, yeah, we, we're going to try to make, you know, a hundred thousand sales or whatever else to saying to actually almost, almost a B2B model, a business to business model where you're saying, okay, we have this really good game that we're like pretty sure people are going to love, but because of the current state of how the industry works, uh, it's, it's far more energy efficient and smarter for us as a dev studio to be able to uh, talk to our platform partners and essentially sell it to them first and foremost, uh, and sort of most importantly, because they can provide a floor that regular gaming people can't. Uh, and so it, it does, it suggests a, like, sort of an interesting, I don't know, like a vertical integration on some sides of the market where like, you know, as far as uh, any one of these platforms is concerned, I know like Microsoft bought up some more studios uh, in the last yep. six months or so. Um, and I, I am wondering if there's going to be a bit more consolidation in that regard because of this, the subscription model and how all these things work. But Well, you see uh, this with Netflix, right? It's like Netflix is producing more and more of its own shows, right? Exactly. So instead of paying a licensing fee for some third-party content, they're just going right for making their own content instead. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which isn't necessarily this, a safer model, right? Um, no. But, well, you have this you have this problem in, in entertainment. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's there in a lot of things. I think it's especially... Uh, volatile in the entertainment industry, which is that, you know, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so if you buy a studio because they've made a great, a great game that was super popular, um, the probability of them making another super popular game is very hard to predict. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and oftentimes, so like the creators of, you know, fall guys or among us or whatever, like, are they going to make another game that does incredibly well? Don't know. Well, the creators no of Fall Guys have made hundreds of games, like literally right. hundreds of games, and none of them hit Fall Guys. Yeah, level, do you, can you right? think off of uh, your head what another one of the games that they made? Like, can you just? I didn't know they made other games. I think it's the thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. And so, so you have this. Well, you have this this longer term interesting trend with streaming services and, and things like this, which is 
and this is what you, you saw this with with Steam and with things like the App Store and whatnot, which is the platform uh, that that greenlights things, like decides what's going to be on their platform and what's not. They learn over time that that every now and then they will they will find a hit, but they have no way to know what those hits are going to be. So instead, they they go for volume. Right, it's like get as many things onto our platform as we can, as long as they meet some bar of quality, you know, um, at least at first, uh, so that the likelihood of us having the thing that's a big hit goes up and up and up. Um, and what you end up with then is is over time the value of the platform tends to deteriorate because it's harder and harder to find the things that you want. And then people start to diverge and wander off to other mm-hmm. services. And it's harder like to that. get visibility if you're one of the ones trying to get a hit right on, yeah. on the platform. But um, actually, yeah. and even if there's no, could have been a hit you know, five years ago, your competition is now so high because being a hit is all about visibility, right? It's all about people knowing the thing exists, it getting the right hands, getting a few champions, like the whole pro, you know, that whole process. And it's just the harder it gets, the less likely you catch on to those those parts of the flywheel that get it spinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's even to the point where, you know, looking at Netflix, um, they're becoming notorious for canceling shows after, after a season, right? They'll, they'll, they'll fund a show, they'll put it on. Um, and that's it. And it's even to the, it's even to the point where Netflix is issuing a huge number of, of junk bonds, uh, to pay for these shows. So net, Netflix is, is building up tons and tons of sort of like trash tier debt, where they borrow tons of money, basically saying like, you know, we'll pay this back if the show works, uh, and if not, then we're then we'll, we'll consider this bond uh, a non-repayable, right? Well, I think this, so. I think this business to business point though is like the that's the key difference, right? Yeah. In approach, because this is also true for like the for the Netflix approach, right? Which is they're not selling they're not selling us Tiger King. Right. That's not that's not what Netflix is doing, right? Um, they may be like trying to sell investors on like the junk bonds part, right? But just which is also really a business to business thing. Um, yeah. But they they're not they're not selling shows. They're actually not. They're, they're not. They're selling Netflix. They're selling Netflix the service, right? Yes. So yeah. they have to maintain a high enough value proposition for the service that people don't at some point be like, oh, I haven't seen anything on here for any good for a while, or it's all I'm the same. Gonna, it's all the same. I'm just going to cut. Cut the service, which means right? you need constant new content, and you also yeah, and good enough content, right? Yeah. This is also why subscription services are are one of those things that, for a lot of game devs in particular, feel like it should provide uh, a good grounding and a good base for you know essentially just games that are a little bit different or that don't necessarily have say a that aren't built to keep you engaged in the way that a, that a modern. Uh, Sort of gaming experience is, which is generally you're targeting, you know, hundreds of hours of play now uh, in terms of game you're bringing to market, and so you can make these experiences that are just uh, that are meant to be done and done, like a you know ten hour thing that's just ridiculously good or whatever else. And in the context of a subscription service, uh, as long as you're not as the as the service, you're not viewing the value of a game strictly on its ability to sync someone's time, uh, then having those other games present means that people will be on your service for on your service overall for a longer period of time because they have different options, right? Yeah, well, and, that, is, yeah. and that's that's like what people think, but mm-hmm. that's not the reality, right? Because we we already seen this with Apple because Apple actually publicly said with their uh, Apple Arcade that they were going to be changing their approach to what games mm-hmm. they brought on and that stuff. And well, it's true. Xbox is is, is very staunchly not taking that maneuver. 
right? Because they're they're saying they're saying, yeah, we know that certain games don't perf- quote unquote perform as well, but they essentially the idea is that they have a place inside of a larger repertoire. And I think it's it really yeah. comes down to like when when the the payout for a game is so strictly tied to those engagement metrics, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically where the weird shit gets in games. Uh, then I mean, cause think about it, like a Netflix. Like I, I don't think people, Netflix doesn't pay the individual screenwriters and actors based on how many people watch their show every day. I don't believe. I don't think there's like a. I'm pretty sure it's entirely a licensing model. I don't. I don't think there's a yeah a, a one size fits all. Yeah. Well, I know licensing is in like. I know, like all the all the all the deals that I actually heard about with like any detail whatsoever was oh Netflix paid X amount of dollars to have the rights to stream this thing for the next two years or whatever right right like that seems to be and it is possible that of course because we don't know the details it's possible they have more you know boutique uh, <laughs> licensing mm-hmm. agreements for different shows um, but it seems like they're at least at least for the stuff that's public like there's only been one model which is pay a whole bunch of money negotiated, right? And then get the rights for X amount of time. And so, yeah, so it's, so it's independent of the number of users who actually right. view it. But that, that seems to be the model for third-party content that already exists, right? That has already been in some market somewhere with some known amount of success. And like, that's what Netflix is paying for. For its, for its own shows, it basically just writes a check to some mm-hmm. to some entity who then goes and like makes and produces the thing and then gives it to Netflix when it's done. Yeah, so like, I think so that's, 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 that's where the rub gets, right? Yeah, because like if it, depending on which one of those models you're using, then you actually have very different. <laughs> you have two very divergent uh, interests in terms of how you build your subscription. Um, yep. And I know for some devs, like it seems like the B two B side of this is somehow more daunting than selling it to players, but it's not. Like it's way better. It's honestly, honestly it's, it's far it's far better because oftentimes you just need to crack into one place as opposed to like shouting into the void of Twitter and Reddit and everything else. Yeah, it's not exactly easier. It's not, it's not easier to get your foot in the door because you still got to find the people. You got you to gotta talk to them. You got you to gotta get them to believe that like you can produce and the whole thing. But I think the, the key to it, though, is that, is that a, a game's ability to succeed in the, in the broader market of players, right, is somewhat, is, actually, is somewhat independent of how good it is conceptually, mm-hmm. how well it's produced, and so on and so forth, right? Um, it has to be good, but... Just because it is doesn't mean it's going to be successful in the broader market. So when it goes business to business, like just in the same way we can't predict if a game will actually succeed in the player market, the businesses that we're talking to also can't, right? But they can evaluate yeah. the thing that we make the same way that we can, which is they can tell if it's good. They can tell if there's a niche for it, if it's the kind of thing that like people should want, like all that kind of stuff, right? They can tell all of that. And so as long as we're making a thing of high quality, we've done our own sort of survey of what we think is available in the market. We know what our target platforms are, like all that kind of stuff. Then selling to a platform is actually the same as selling to ourselves in the sense of like convincing ourselves that this was a wise thing to invest our time into is the same problem as, as convincing a platform that it's the, a wise thing to invest their money yep. into. Um, but convincing players to do it, to buy your game, is fucking impossible. Because no, nobody knows nobody knows. <laughs> What's going to work there? No, there's just no way to know. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's easier to it's easier to just negotiate with with someone who can reason their way through it the same way you did. Yeah, you know, being well, like, yeah, I could see, I could see this just taking off. I could yeah. see people liking this. Well, and I think that for me, the big takeaway, you know, without any details from our experience with Levelhead and getting it onto um, a few subscription services and, and and having just much closer relationship with the platforms at launch, was that uh, I. Moving forward, much prefer 
the business to business model of of coming up with a licensing deal, knowing at least at a minimum how much money is going to come in. Um, That's the big one. Like being able to say like before a launch happens, like okay, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like we knew six months before we launched Crashlands how much money a minimum we were going to have from Xbox. Like we, we knew, knew that. we just level got head. to know that, right? Yeah, level um, head. Levelhead. or for levelhead, sorry. Yeah, uh, we we just got to know that. What did I say? So crash, crash. Yeah. Oh right, shit. Okay. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what a relief, you know, as a dev. Yeah. You know, if you've been working yep. on something for a year or two years, and and then to just know that, that at least to some degree, as long as you can get this thing across the finish line, that you won't be like destitute. But there's, but there's some money coming. Yeah, in. I yeah. mean that's that's super handy. Yeah. So who knows what these things are going to look like in the future? Uh, and I guess, so I guess the short answer is there's like a thousand different possible ways that these things could be. They will, set and, up. and so many of those so. are new too. Because like because Game Pass has been around for a little bit, but um, but not that long, and they and they'll presumably be changing their model as they adapt. Um, yeah, there'll be Play, new services. There'll be new services. Google Play Pass, you know, basically just launched last year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and of course we have our deal with them. Um, but I but I can't imagine that when we come when we come to talk to them about Crashlands Two potentially, right? A few years from now or whatever, without a doubt, their service is going to look different. The people in charge are going to be different. Context the changed. Deals yeah. are doing are going to be are going to be different, and it may be better, maybe worse. There's no way to know. Um, and so. So, so we're not, we're not, I guess the, the short of it is we're not banking on being able to sell Crashlands 2 into subscription services successfully mm-hmm. in it will be nice. or whatever. But if we can, that would be the ideal, the ideal yeah. move. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Biggie Bapa Boop, who says, what would be the best thing to find in the middle of a cupcake? And what would be the worst? Um, and the worst, I feel like there's too many degrees. Yeah, there's too many. There's too many worse I, things. I don't even want to think about that. Let's not even go honest. there. You know, it's been yeah. a week. I'm not thinking I, about oh, no. gross things inside I, cupcakes. I know. Well, here's the thing: the worst thing to find in the inside of a cupcake would be an endless dark void that consumes all knowledge of cupcakes. That seems fine, okay. honestly. Mm-hmm. So you would you'd get in there, you'd be like, oh, "I'm going to have this cupcake," and then boom. Nobody's ever heard of cupcakes. You're Nobody holding the thing. You're like, what the hell is and this? You, and, and no matter how hard you look at it, you just can't figure out what it is. Counterpoint. You know? That's the best thing you can find inside of a cupcake because cupcakes <laughs> are tiny shitty cakes. That's what they uh-huh. are. That sells like 12 bucks a pop. Yeah. And they have way too much frosting on them. Way too much icing, way too much everything. A cupcake is a shitty cake across the board. There's no cupcake you can find for which there isn't a better cake. Right, that's just Adam coming in hot. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I think Seth found the best thing to go into the inside of a cupcake. That is true. I mean, almost any time I've gone to like a high high end, you know, boutique cupcake place where they're like, this place, this place has cupcakes that'll blow your socks right off of your body. What they mean is and it'll blow I, your insulin right out of your body. But yep. I get it. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> a little. It's a it's a, it's a little it's a little cake. You know, maybe a couple, an inch and a half tall, and then like sixteen pounds of of frosting on top, and not good frosting. Like, because frosting can be really good if it's like it's not overly sweet. If it's like it can be really, it still is never good in that kind of quantity. That's just just absurd. Yeah. Like, um, how did we get here? Who's eating these? Who's eating these? These sugar bombs. I just honestly, and how are they eating them? I'm still confused by the, the distinction between a muffin and a. Cupcake, because in particular, so you know, we used to my wife and I used to eat scones every morning on our morning. Well, not every morning, but yes. as often as humanly possible on these walks. Uh, 
The Scone is a, is a triangular That's the muffin. triangular muffin that we discussed yeah. uh, a few episodes ago. So the, the question I have is like the distinction between a muffin and a cupcake because they have a new one now, which is a it's – a, it's labeled as a muffin, okay? It's a pumpkin, pumpkin cream-filled muffin. So to be honest, like it tastes, it's oh, like, no. it's basically the best cupcake I've had, to be honest with you. Like, That's as far it's as not too, too sweet. It's not too sweet. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, it's one of the things you can eat it and you're like, I need, I want another one. Like it's, it's that yeah, right yeah. on that level where you're like, I just need more of this. I think that's um, sort of like <laughs> between cake and bread, right? Like cake, you have a little bit and you're like, I've already had too much. Bread, you can just eat forever. Just eat it indefinitely. Mm, and so like, if so you get to, if you find a line, because because these are all in a gradient, right? So there's there's the bread cake gradient, which is also mm-hmm. the muffin cupcake gradient, same gradient, same yep. idea. Mm-hmm. So, but a, but a muffin actually is on the the bread cake gradient, right? It's just like it's just shifted kind of to the, the right. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's more. So so muffins are just out of the gate, really fucking good, just like by default because they're not too sweet, but they are sweet. But they got a lot mm-hmm. of shit in there, like interesting stuff. So it's not just boring ass bread, you know. So you're like, you're already, you're already in there. So if you just kind of like, if you start at that point and you kind of shift one way or the other a little bit and like spice things up, you like take a big leap. So if you're like, if you're putting icing or whatever the fuck in the middle of that thing, like now all of a sudden you've, you're doing interesting stuff, right? You're like, you're like, yeah, you're, you're kind of hitting all sides of the spectrum at once, but on average right in the middle, which is really where you want to be. But that's also the genius of the interior frosting is that you can't overdo it like you can by putting there's frosting on top. Ah. There's only so much there's only so much room in there, right? Yeah, the and muffin, you also can't just eat it by itself because when there's icing on the top, you can like you can't even eat that shit. It's just like a huge pile, you know? So like you can eat the icing without eating the cupcake. But if it's in the middle, you're always eating both. No though I will say yes. one of the things I hate the most in this world is oh, shit. when you eat a donut that's supposed to have stuff in it and you take a bite and there's no stuff. In your bite, you and then I mean? and then eventually, eventually, way off on one corner, there's like a, a tiny, all, yep. a tiny pocket the size of a pea. Yeah, it's all of it's in there. So you can tell somebody tried to inject it because there's like the butthole with the stuff yep. coming out, you know. Yep. But yep. then, <laughs> but then you like you bite over to it, and there's nothing but the butthole. Yep. Yep. It's just a it's just a hole there. It's yeah. terrible. They missed it. It's the it's worst. garbage. Imagine though, because this 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 trend. I'm calling it. I'm calling it a trend. This trend of making cupcakes that are almost entirely comprised of frosting, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, th- cupcakes didn't used to be this way. You know, no. 15 years ago, you get a cupcake, cupcake wars that started. I was gonna say, yeah, I think uh, it was reality TV. I think it was reality TV once again creeping into the real world and distorting it into it horrible way. Because a cupcake looks fucking awesome when it has like an insane, you know, top. To it, it looks. Cool. It looks super yeah. cool. It looks way cooler than a normal cupcake. It's just not. You can't eat it because you die. They're just but decorative. Ima- imagine if that trend carried over to donuts, right? Because like you get a donut and it has like that sh- that little little thin sheen of like mm-hmm. chocolate icing. Right, on. So they just piled it on, <laughs> and they're just like, "This is a chocolate donut," and it's like a donut, and then just like six pounds of just fucking chocolate mm-hmm. frosting on top. Someday, Donut Wars is going to appear yeah. on the Food Network, and then it's over for donuts. And now donuts are ruined. Yeah, it's really, I think, sort of the key takeaway of all of this is that whatever reality TV is doing, we need to quarantine that shit and keep it away (laughs) from the real world. (laughs) Let it stay on TV. Keep it away from having any impact on the real world. There's a big rule here, which is uh, in in designing for, for games and for entertainment, which is entertainment trumps function every time. Which means if you can make something that, that looks super cool, but is... Definitely impaired because of that look. Uh, it will win 
in terms yep. of just, you know, the visuals of the thing, which is where cupcakes are at. It's probably where, frankly, yeah, any of this stuff on reality TV is going. You know, it's all about yeah, flash. Re- reality yeah. TV is, yeah, it's just, it's all flash and no substance. Because mm-hmm. the viewers can't taste the cupcake. All they know is it looks dope. Exactly. Right. And they know it's expensive, which means it's good. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, all right. Last question of the day it comes from Fly Hoppy, Axe Rampa. He's really just bringing home the question bacon today. He says, what office chairs do you guys use? My current one is on its last leg, and I want to buy a good one. You're, you're sitting invest- on a one-legged chair? That's a pogo uh, stick, you maniac. You got it. That's part Here's of the thing, core strength. Yeah, really great Dude, core strength. if you're strength. pogoing all day, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't, what? Yeah. I'm trying to f- think about this. How would you pogo and do your job at the same time? You know what I mean? Well, people do that with those weird giant balls that they sit on. Yeah, the ergonomic ball. It's basically the same thing. I don't think they're ergonomic. I think they're just giant balls. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a ball. I like the idea, though, of just like having a ball and being like, it's ergonomic. This ergonomic. I'm pretty sure that's how they like, yeah, they're like, it's more, it's better for you to sit in an office chair because you can roll around like a weirdo. You know? The weird thing about the ball is that what's better about it is that you have to engage your core to stay upright. You know, mm-hmm. uh, which is really just no different than just standing, right? Correct. So, yeah. my I mean, my biggest game changer was getting the the standing desk. It's the the uplift desk mm-hmm. that you can go to their website. You can customize. They have like all these different tiers of things you can do. So you're saying like, why get a chair? Even you know, just don't have. Yeah, one. I mean, you you, you will need you will need a chair because like I do I do sort of toggle back and forth yeah, between standing and sitting, usually like three or four times a day. Um, I'll like sit for an hour and then stand for a couple hours and go back and forth. Um, but my chair is just like a kind of hard, not that comfortable bungee chair. Mm-hmm. I have the same one. It's an Office Depot Max. Office Max. But most office importantly, Max? it breathes. Cause yeah. it's a bungee chair. Yeah, I used to have I used to have one of those like big old like leather you know back go, goes all the way up to your head thing, uh, and that that chair was just a heat trap. Yeah, like I just yep. I was just broiling the whole time I was sitting. Yeah, there, you got a like hot a bod. You got to be careful with which chair you get. So all of us, yeah, uh, all of us have bungee chairs because can't. You can't burn up yeah. in one of these things. Which is yeah, but my, my wife just got uh, – she's got her home office like really schnazzy, schnazzied up over the past few months. And so she got a steel case chair, which is one of those fancy-ass like super ergonomic – it's like it's like the one where you're like you, you – it's like the one that people always want, I guess, right? It's like – Is it one that looks funny? Like you look at it and it looks like it's like a bunch of weird parts trying to touch It looks like back. a Mad Cat's controller. It's a – it's, it's – <laughs> It's like it's very bendy, I guess. You know, yeah. But, it's got lots of um, curves and stuff. There's right? a lot. There's a lot going on. But that's the whole idea. It's like it's supposed to be because you need to like you're trying to unlock a ball. So like the, the hilarious thing about the ball is like there's like oh yeah, you just inflate a ball and you're done. Right now we've now we've made an ergonomic. No, my favorite thing about the ball chair. is that that means your chair will just run away from you sometimes. There's you know also what I mean? that. You stand up, your chair is just gone. Yeah, but but away. in terms of like effort to produce a thing that that works well, you're just like just inflate a ball, done. Right. Uh, and then you go to like the steel case and you're like, we tried to understand the exact shape of a person's back and exactly how a person's back needs to be pushed forward or backward or whatever. And like how it should wrap around and like how high your arms should be and all this. And like everything about what it means to sit as like a physiological mm. experience. Right. And they tried to design a chair, a chair around that. So 
so I don't, I don't actually, I haven't gotten to sit in it because it's, you know, my wife's chair and it's like set up for her. Here's, here's my size, question. But, you know, is it, is it personalized? Like did, did your wife have to do a, uh, like sit in a plaster mold of her backside? No, it's not that personalized. And of course, uh, because of, you know, the world we live in, which is a, a sexist universe and everything is made, everything is made for average man size. And so, so there are some, some, uh, she's had to make some adjustments, like put a pillow here and like, you know, that kind of stuff to get it to mm-hmm. hit just right. But even still, she likes it a lot. And supposedly the question with the answer to this question is how much do you want to invest in your yeah. back? You know? Yeah. Because of course, the more money you have, the better results you can get yeah. As, yeah. With, as with all things. Yeah. Cause if you get a standing desk and then one of these fancy ass chairs, um, I'm not advocating for staircase specifically, but I just know that everybody seems to love them. Um, and I, I personally, I keep debating, like, do I take all this hard earned savings that I have and just like Buy blow all of it on a stand, <laughs> fancy ass standing desk and a fancy ass chair, where which will then make like eight hours of my day, almost every day, a much better experience, right? At least eight hours. At least. Uh, and the same yeah. with that, you know, we talked in the past about my, my bed air conditioner that I have, which was, you know, a sizable investment, but it's made literally every night a much better night for sleeping. Um, but it's really hard to pull the trigger on those, you know? So like, so I still haven't done my, it's like, I'm sitting, I'm in this bunch, shitty bungee chair. It's like, okay, I don't get hot, which is the main thing, but it's not necessarily comfortable. Exactly. Just on this like standard ass desk, nothing interesting going on. Sitting all day. Sitting all day. Uh, and I know there are better alternatives, but man, they're expensive. There's a, there's a cost. Yeah. I think the, the, uh, uplift desk that I, ended up with because you can customize in different ways. Yeah. I think the one the one I ended up with, I think was like eight hundred dollars. Which is actually kind of like on the middle end. I think it gets high. Yeah, because I think I think they go down to maybe like four four hundred or something. Yeah, if you like cut out all the features. Again. Yep. But but I was I mean I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, why is this thing so pricey? And then I got it and I was like, oh I see. because uh, I was thinking about like what does it take for this thing to What's what's the engineering for this thing to function? Because it has to it has to raise and lower two independent legs, mm-hmm. and they Same have level. to be, and they are six feet apart, and they have to be fucking exact. Because if one of them raises very <laughs> slightly <laughs> higher than the other, your whole desk is, is messed up. Uh, and so the thing is, like, it's heavy. It's very heavy duty, um, and it has this, like this little programmable computer thing, and so you can adjust it by a tenth of an inch. Just up, up and down, up down, like wherever you need, it. and then you can lock that in and be like, "This is my setting number three or whatever." So I have, I have like, I have three different settings. One is for when I'm sitting in my chair. Another is for if I'm standing without shoes on, mm-hmm. and another is for if I'm standing with shoes on, because I get an extra, you know, half inch of mm. of height. And so like, I have, I have it all ergonomically just locked in. And I just feel great. It was important to be with that. Is that there? It's a responsive enough mechanism that senses whether it's encountering resistance, which means that if I, for example, turn tell it to go down and then sit down and like am too far in to the desk so that it hits the chair, it doesn't like crush me into the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like it could. It feels like it has the strength. It really does. So I'm like that. That was one of those things where I was like, I that's what I need. I need. Yeah, uh, you can. But you can take that shit to them. I don't don't know what your guys' setup is, but I know Jenny's uh, setup is is pretty wild because she got there's a there's like an under there's like an underhanging uh, what do we call it like a, a a PC case holder right. 
so that you can basically have so your, your PC case goes up attached to the bottom of the desk. Mm-hmm. And she got and she got one of the big desks too, so it's like very spacious. And so so and then she has like a little tray and like a keyboard pull out, like the whole the works, right? And so when that thing moves up and down, like everything, just everything. So like so in terms of dealing with like the fact that your cables are going to get fucked up, and in our case, because uh, one of our cats kind of like lives in her office right now while we're still dealing with getting everybody to be nice to each other. Um, and so there's not as much shit for him to get into because it's all up, right? And not up on a yeah. thing he can jump onto, but unlike my desk where there's just like cables on the floor and the cats are constantly eating them, you know? So <laughs> yeah. there are clearly some advantages to having the whole everything move up, but yeah, yeah I mean, but my, the sky's my, the limit on pricing for uh, for an uplift desk. Yeah. Um, my thinking with it was just that, that, because of you know this this pandemic maybe maybe another year maybe more or maybe we're never going back to an office you know it might just not. be it might just be working from home and this is just now where I work um, and so uh, and on top of that it's also where I play you know it's where I play video games and and uh, just do whatever and so it's just worth it you know. Uh, even even if it, even if I had to save up and and take a healthy chunk out of my bank account to yep. to do it, so uh, so anyway, chair recommendation. I don't know. Bungee chairs are cool. to keep you cool. That's why they're cool. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. Otherwise, try to not need a chair. <laughs> yeah, stand as much as you can. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We would like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the archives. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.